Amen. God can do anything today. Man, we've got to uh, let him do that. Amen. We want to, uh, we can dismiss our kids' church. You can go in the back room and be excited for Friday night, late night prayer meeting. Amen. God's already moving in our lives. Amen. We're not even there yet. Amen. That means just God is, is preparing us for something great. Amen. And I want to uh, have what he has for me. Amen. If we stand, we can go to the word of the Lord today. Uh, the book of Matthew, 15th chapter, and two verses today. Verse 10, he called the multitude and he said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Man, I, so I want to preach to you today from this title, Saved from My Surroundings. Saved from my surroundings. Why don't you turn to a few people, greet them in the name of the Lord Jesus as you're seated today. Amen. Every... Every week there are millions and millions of people that go to the gas stations um, and not just gobble up gas as we're doing this week, but millions and millions of people go to the gas station and they hold up the line in front of you because they got to buy their lottery tickets. And believe it or not, studies have shown that winning the lottery does not necessarily make you happier or healthier. It's amazing. Why, why doesn't everybody know this? If everyone realized that, then there wouldn't be those lines in the gas station, would there? The U.S. News and World Report studies found that instead of getting people out of financial trouble, winning the lottery got people into more trouble. Why aren't they telling me this? Why are they telling? I don't, I don't, I don't gamble with that. So why aren't they telling the world that? Uh, winning the lottery got people into more trouble. Bankruptcy rates soar for lottery winners three to five years after winning the lottery. Doesn't make sense. Uh, one man who won three hundred and fifteen million dollars in West Virginia. He said, "I wish that I had torn up the ticket." $315 million, and he says, I wish I would have torn up the ticket. Since winning, his daughter and granddaughter died to drug overdoses. His life became a wreck. Families torn apart, but he won the lottery. A financial consultant to lottery winners says that many winners struggle with suicide, depression, and divorce. It's the curse of the lottery because it made their lives worse instead of improving them. In fact, about 70%, 70% of people who win a lottery uh, actually end up broke in a few years. Amazing. And yet millions of people rush to buy tickets every single week. 
it's unbelievable. And so uh, they rush to buy tickets so that they can win millions and millions of dollars because they think that that money is going to make them happier. There's a pretty common belief that differentiates between happiness and joy. Happiness, they say, is based on your circumstances. Expensive gifts and good food and, and nice things and celebrations can bring you happiness. But they are only temporary. They aren't there all the time. That they come and they fade with the lights go out. The, their happiness fades away because it's dependent upon your circumstance. And, and there are many people who have those things that, that brought a smile to their face or, or their happiness. So they thought many people have those things and have taken away. And so if our happiness is dependent upon physical things, then we are in a world of heartache. We're in, a, we're, we're in for trouble because uh, they can easily, as easily as they come, they can easily be taken away and, and we can be left without them. And so, but, but they say joy comes, joy comes from within. Joy comes from within. It transcends what happens to us. It doesn't matter what happens to us. I've got joy on the inside of me that if it's good or bad, I still have joy. You're not going to take my joy from me because that's on the inside and that's not determined by what happens on the outside. You can not have much possessions and still be joyful. You can be dirt poor and still be, be joyful. You can still be blessed no matter what you have or what you don't have. If the hand of God is upon your life, I'm here to tell you, you're blessed. And you've got the joy of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter what the news is. You've got a joy that this world cannot take away. Because you're not focused on the temporary things. We're not focused on the things that pass away, but we're focused on the heavenly things. We're focused on that. We're laying up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt, that we know that it's not going to fade away, that we have an actual real treasure in Jesus Christ, and we're not going to put our faith in these things of this world. But if your heart's desire is for something that endures... Something that endures the test of time, that is where you find real joy. And that is where that will sustain you no matter what happens in your life. And real happiness can only be found in the presence of Almighty God. In His presence is fullness of joy. That's where I want to be. If you're in His presence, what else do you need? Where else do you need to go? What else do you need to win? You've got the presence of God, and that should be able to sustain you no matter what happens. If his spirit in your life is not good enough for you, what else is there? Lottery ticket ain't going to do anything. If we're not content, if we're not satisfied with what God has for us, then nothing's going to make us happy. The psalmist said, uh, Psalm 16 and 3, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight, their, their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. If you start looking after other things to make you happy, you're going to be sorrowful, as the Bible says. Uh, and so their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up, up their names into my lips. 
The Lord is the portion of my inheritance. That's all I need. That's all I need in my life is God. He's my inheritance. He's my portion and my cup, and thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. And that's a goodly heritage in, the, in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what your family history is or what your family heritage is. I'm here to tell you, you're born again. You're a new creature in Christ. God can turn your whole life around. He can wipe away your past. And you are a new person in Christ. And you have a goodly heritage through Jesus Christ. And because of this, verse 7, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. And my reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. If you've got God on your side, you're not going to be moved. You're not going to be phased by what happens in this world. You've got God on your side. You've got his spirit and you've got the joy of the Holy Ghost. What else do we need to keep us happy? Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That to me sounds like winning the lottery. I want that more than what this world can offer because what this world can offer is only temporary and it doesn't last. Sounds like the one thing that everybody is searching for. And it's right here. You have found it. We have found it. It's right here in the presence of Almighty God. And the best part of it is, is that you don't have to buy tickets in hopes of a one in a million chance of getting touched by God. No, in the kingdom of God, everybody is a winner. In the kingdom of God, everybody is a winner. Whosoever will is a winner. We're all winners in here, and it didn't cost you any money. All you got to do is repent of your sins, get baptized in Jesus' name, and God will give you, he'll give you the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. He'll pour out his spirit in your life like nothing ever you've experienced. As he said, that promise, for that promise, that winning ticket, that winning promise is unto you and to your children. And as to as many as the Lord our God shall call. That sounds like everybody has an opportunity to be blessed by Almighty God. Everyone has an experience to, to feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. God doesn't turn away anybody. He wants all to come to repentance. And God has the funds that he can take care of everybody. He's not going to go bankrupt. Our God's not going to run out of money and, and, and collapse his institution. No. Our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And if there's a thousand and one show up, he'll just make another hill and put more cow on it. He can do that. Why? Because he is the almighty God. Amen. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, if you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that's not the way the apostles baptized. And so we baptize the way the apostles did in the, in, in the Bible, and you've got to call on the name of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All that we do is in the name of Jesus. 
and then your sins are remitted and washed away, talk about a winning ticket. Every sin is gone. Every trespass you ever did is wiped away. Every reproach is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you get a new start, a fresh start in life, a new creature in Christ. Do you remember the life that you were living before you walked through the doors of an apostolic Pentecostal church that you thought you were living the life? It turns out you really weren't living at all, were you? We put a smile on the outside, but inwardly, on the inside, we're broken. On the inside, we're hurting. On the inside, we're crying and we're miserable. Why? Because we haven't found that thing that God put in us, and that is his spirit. And you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, and that will fill that void that's in your soul that so many people go looking for, chasing after the things of this world, buying tickets to try to fill that void. That void can only be filled with the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 2 and 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together in Christ and by grace are ye saved and he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, now we sit in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. All the money in the world can't buy a seat in the heavens. All the money in all Bill Gates' money cannot buy a seat in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. And yet, well, God will give you a seat if you ask of it. If you repent of your sins, say, God, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. God, forgive me. God can give you a seat in the heavens that money cannot buy. He gives you that seat because he's already paid the price for it. He's already paid, and we can't pay that price. That's why he paid it for us. And he bought and paid for it. It's amazing. All that God has done for us, and still people are looking for other things to satisfy their soul. That just tells me you haven't got enough of God in your life. You need a fresh touch in your life. You need a fresh outpouring, a fresh connection with God, and God can fill and take away those carnal desires because all that you need is to seek after him, and he'll take care of you. It's amazing. Even though data and reports, as we have read, say that winning the lottery really doesn't work. It really doesn't make you happier. That you have a greater chance of ending up in a worse condition than you are now. And still, people line up every week waiting to buy their tickets. And you know what they say? They say, yeah, I hear you, preacher. I hear you. 70% of lottery winners end up bankrupt. I hear you. But for me, it's going to be different. It'll be different. I win $300 million. You don't got to worry about me. That's what everyone says. It'll be different for me. That won't happen to me. I'll be the exception. I'm not going to be the rule. And yeah, uh -huh, well, you, you know what else has that same sales pitch? Sin. Sin still sells like that. I'm not going to end up that bad. I won't end up like that. It's not going to affect me like it affected other people because I can handle it. I can control it. I can quit when I want to quit. It doesn't have a hold on me. That's what the lie of sin, sin as a season of pleasure for everybody, 
But then comes the payment. Then comes the payment, then comes the grip, and then comes the stronghold in your life. Sin has the same effect on every single person. It doesn't matter who you are or what your last name is or how much money you have. Sin has a 100% chance of winning against fallen man. How about those odds? And yet people still think, well, it's different for me. It'll be different for me. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Aren't you thankful for the gift of God? Aren't you thankful for the grace of God that it gives you the space to repent and say, God, I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made. I don't want to pass up an opportunity where I can come before the Lord and and lay everything down on the altar. Why? Because the gift that God has is greater than anything that this world can provide. The only defeat... That sin has is when Jesus Christ entered the ring. That's their only defeat, his only defeat. Jesus might have had his heel bruised, but sin, death, hell, and the grave were defeated when Jesus was crucified on Calvary's hill, and they've never been the same since. Why? No one's ever defeated death, hell, and the grave, but then Jesus comes walking along, and he says, I'll take you on. I'll take on sin. I'll take on death. I'll take on hell and the grave. Nobody else has been able to, but Jesus says, I can do it. I can defeat you. And when his innocent blood was shed, That's why we plead the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over our minds, over our homes, over our children. Because sin and the devil cannot pass through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's defeated them. The blood of Jesus has power. Power to cover every sin. Power to cover every spot. Power to wash away those mistakes and shortcomings. Power to break every stronghold that the enemy has. That's why we plead the blood of Jesus. And with all that's going on in the world today, we need to plead the blood more than ever before. We need to be praying more than ever before. We need to get a hold of God like never before. We need to let that joy start flowing out of our lives like never before. Because we're not letting this world uh, impact our life and affect our soul. So many people believe that if I can just get this thing, or that thing, then my life is going to be better. That if I have this in my life, I'm going to be much happier and and better off. And people are so focused on improving their surroundings because they believe that their surroundings, they believe that their possessions, they believe that their situation was going to fix what's on the inside. That it's going to fill that hole that we had, that that our surroundings are going to make us a better person. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not true. And and we only think that, that it can do that. If that were the case, then all the millionaires and billionaires would be the most kind and compassionate people on the earth. They would be the nicest people. Because their surroundings are the best you can buy in this world. That they would be the happiest people. No more problems for them. 
Because they believe that somehow money fixes everything. And, and rich people wouldn't be addicted to drugs. They wouldn't overdose. They don't have time for that. They're happy. They wouldn't commit suicide because they have, they have all the money. They, they can buy whatever they want. Why would you commit suicide? Because they have the best surroundings that money can buy. So why aren't they happy? Why aren't they happy? Where is the joy in their life? Why do they commit suicide? Why do they have an annual membership to the drug rehab facility? Why do they get divorced every few years? I thought that if you change your surroundings, it's going to change your heart and it's going to change your life. I thought that if you bought the newest and best things, it comes with a new heart. I thought that if I finally bought that new house in that fancy neighborhood and, and paid all those fancy fees, that it would fix all my problems, that it would fix my life, it would fix my marriage, it would fix my family, and yet it hasn't. Why hasn't it? It'll provide you a temporary time of happiness, but that doesn't have a lasting impact. And your surroundings don't have any ability to impact your soul. Because Jesus addresses this very issue in our text, Matthew 15. He said, called the multitude and he said to them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Israel was under the false assumption that if you eat unclean food, it's going to defile you. That if you eat this type of animal or food, that it will make you unclean. And, and, and Israel so believed that it was the food that defiled the person, not the commandment. That, that not, it wasn't about God's commandment, it was the food. And that it was, they believed that it was the surroundings that impacted and defiled the person's soul. And that is why the, the self-righteous Pharisees couldn't believe that Jesus was hanging out with publicans and sinners. What are you doing hanging out with publicans and sinners? Don't you know that your surroundings are going to defile you? The Pharisees wouldn't go near any of those people because they believed that the sinner would have an impact on their soul. But as far as I know, Jesus was near sinners all the time but he never became one. He never became a sinner. He died still with sinless and spotless blood, even though he was around sinners and publicans all the time. His surroundings was filled with the lame, the deaf, and the dumb, and the sick, and yet Jesus was still the same. The lepers that Jesus healed didn't make him a leper. And when Jesus was near to those who were possessed with devils and cast the devils out of them, Jesus didn't get possessed. Because your surroundings don't have the power to impact your soul like you think they do. Because Jesus said the food that you eat and put in your mouth does not defile you. But what comes out of your mouth, that's what defiles you. If the food that you eat cannot defile you, then it can't make you better either. If it can't make you worse, it can't make you better. But those cookies and ice cream, man, those are good. I feel better with that temporarily. 
The cookies and ice cream has the power to kill your body. It doesn't have the power to defile your heart. Or even change your heart for the better. Because it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. A new car is not going to give you a new desire to serve God. A new car is not going to give you a desire, hey, i got to go to church now because i got a new car. A new job is not going to give you a desire to start praying more. A new surrounding, a new house is not going to say, oh, I better start praying and, and seeking after God now. A new things, your surroundings does not give you those kinds of desires. A new surrounding is not going to make you more faithful. Your surroundings don't have the power to defile you or make you a better person. We just like to think they do. And millions and millions of people pursue those things all of their life. And when they finally attain those most cherished and prized possessions that they so desperately had to have, Wasted their whole life chasing that status or that position. And, and, and they finally get to it. And it doesn't impact them like the way they thought it would. And they look back and they say, I, 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 lo- I lost my, my marriage, my family. I, I put all that on the sidelines for pursuing a career. Uh, to make, for, it was for our family, to make our family better. Meanwhile, you lose your family on the way to your destination. And you get there, and you're, you're, you've got what you wanted, but you look around and you have nothing. And it doesn't have the impact that we think it's going to have. That winning lottery bought them a new house and a new life, but it can't buy you a new heart. It can't give you a fresh desire for God. It can't give you a fresh uh, anointing from God because it's not about the haves and the have-nots. It's all about the heart. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our heart, that is where the problem is. Not our car, not our home, not our surroundings. Everything that comes out of our mouth comes from our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so our heart defiles us if we have a wicked heart. Wicked desires will do wicked things. If if I have a wicked heart and I have $100 million and I have a new car and a new house, guess what? I'm still going to be a wicked person. Because our surroundings doesn't have an impact on our soul. Pastor, are you saying that if my surroundings won't have an impact on me, then I can go hang out at bars and I can go hang out at all the places the sinners hang out and I'm not going to be impacted? What I'm saying is if you had a heart that sought after God, if you had a heart that was hungry for righteousness and godliness, why would you want to go hang out at the bar? Why would you go on and go to the places that are that are death, that are evil and wicked and, and uncleanliness and unrighteousness is there? If you had a heart after God, why would you want to go there? You can go wherever you want to go. It doesn't affect your heart. It just reveals what's in your heart. And instead of pursuing worldly passions and thinking about those things, those surroundings we think will fix all of our problems. If you just want to be happier, if you want to have more joy in your life, 
all you got to do, it doesn't, it doesn't cost much. All you got to do is to find an altar and just to cry out to God and, and say, God, create in me a clean heart, Lord. Renew a right spirit within me because it's, it's about my heart that needs to be changed, not my surroundings. Don't make my new car, but, but make me new, God. Don't make my house new or make my surroundings new, but God, make me new in your, cry, in your eyes. Help me to get rid of this corrupted and wicked heart and give me a new one. One that desires thee and one that longs after righteousness. And that will give you the happiness and joy that you're looking for. The psalmist in 42 says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My, my tears have been my meat in day and night, and while they continue, say to me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude, and, and I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted me? Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. You know what he's saying there? He says, when my surroundings change, that should not change my desire to serve God. That should not change my desire to go to church. Surroundings, they come and go. Possessions, they come and go. Cars, they come and go. But that does not mean that my praise should come and go either. That my worship should vacillate and move based on my surroundings and circumstances. Praise and worship should come from the heart. Praise and worship, that's where that comes from. Either it's in there or it's not. A new, a new possession is not going to make you a worshiper. A new item in your life is not going to make you a, a prayer warrior. Either you're a worshiper or you're not. Rich or poor, I'm going to praise him. Rich or poor, I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. Good health or bad health, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship him. Pain or no pain, hey, that's not going to stop me from dancing. That's not going to stop me from worshiping God. Doctors report, good or bad, hey, that doesn't have any effect on what's on the inside. Why? Because God has given me his spirit. And in his, in his presence is fullness of joy. It doesn't matter what your surroundings are. It should not change if you're going to lift your hands in service or not. It shouldn't have an impact. It shouldn't come between you and who God is. Because God is greater than our surroundings. He's greater than our situation. And where, who are we to say, oh, my problem is so great that I can't worship God. That you, you just made your problem bigger than God. You just put an idol before God because uh, I believe that our God can do anything. That all things are possible with him. And so it doesn't matter what comes in or what goes out. I'm still going to praise God. I'm not going to worry about what the news says. Hey, I'm a worshiper. I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus in the good times and the bad times. Because it's not about what's around me. It's about what's on the inside. Musicians, if you would come.
the sooner that we realize and understand that my surroundings don't have the power to alter my heart or my soul. People give that, that power away. It, it, does, it doesn't have the power, but people think it does. It's not going to alter my heart for the good or the bad. And the sooner that we realize that, the sooner that we are saved from our surroundings. Then it doesn't matter what your surrounding is. It doesn't matter you wake up and it's a bad, gloomy day. That doesn't matter. Things aren't changing on the inside. The outside changes. The weather comes and goes. Sunny and cloudy and rainy, stormy. That's fine. It doesn't affect all what's on the inside. Uh, and the sooner we realize that, the sooner that we can be saved from our surroundings. Saving me from having to worry. Saving me from having to bite off my fingers and, and, and toenails. Saving me from, from heartache and trouble. Because it's not about what I have that determines my happiness. It's all about him. If you keep him at the forefront of your life, you keep him in the center of your life, the center of your home, the center of your heart, then everything has to revolve around God. How is it going to matter what happens on the outside? Because I've got the inside all taken care of. It's not what I have that determines my happiness. It's my faith in Him. My surroundings will not give me joy, but Jesus gives me joy. And His presence is fullness of joy. And don't, let, don't lead me to the newest thing, God, but lead me to the paths of righteousness for Thy name's sake. Because that's what's going to keep me happy, and that's when it's going to keep my, my foot on the right path. Sales and specials and clearance things are, are, are not where we need to go. But we need to get into his presence. That's, that will take care of any desire that you have. You get, you get focused on God and refocused and realigned with, with his purpose and his plan in your life, and you'll find the joy that you're looking for. You'll find that happiness and peace that we think is, is out there and everything else. But it can only be found in his presence. Psalmist says in 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him am I going to trust. Surely He's going to deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. I don't have to worry about the enemy. God's going to keep me. God's going to protect me. God's going to provide for me. And from the noisome pestilence. He'll cover me with his feathers. Under his wings shall be my shield and my buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid by the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noonday. No need to fear about my surroundings. No need to put my hope or my trust in them. Why? Because I've got him. He's all that I need. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my fortress. In him am I going to trust. My surroundings are not my provider. My job is not my provider. God is my provider. I put my faith in him. He can open doors that no man can open. He can shut doors that no man can shut. I'm going to put my faith in him. He's my provider, 
If I put him first, he'll take care of my needs. He'll take care of my, my pain, my heartache. He'll take care of everything. What am I missing out on? Whatever I'm missing out on, God will make up for it. God will make up for it. You don't got to worry about missing out on things. God can just speak things to life in your, in, in your life. He can make things out of nothing. And so I'm going to put him first in my life. I'm saved from my surroundings when I put my faith in him. You stand with me today if you believe that. Job was a man who saw his surroundings drastically change. From having everything to having nothing. Matter of moments. Most people would not have survived what Job went through. Most people would not have. Even Job's wives told Job, enough is enough. Enough is enough, Job. But Job was saved from his surroundings. He knew that his situation did not impact his soul, does not impact his faith, does not impact his, his walk with God. He went from the mountaintop to the deepest valley in a matter of moments. And at the lowest point of his life, after losing everything and losing everyone, there left all alone, does Job say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord when he gives, but I'm still going to bless him when he takes away. Why? Because my surroundings do not have an impact on my faith my impact on my walk with God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not about your surroundings. It's about your Savior. It's all about Him. And when we get our eyes off of Him, we start to worry about our surroundings, don't we? When our attention goes away from God and onto the things of this world, we get the anxiety coming back. We start being fearful. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, the world is getting turned upside down. We start to worry. There's no need to worry about that if you put your faith and trust in God. Be saved from your surroundings. Quit worrying about what we have or what we don't have. You just need to make sure you get a hold of God. He's going to sustain thee. He'll keep you. He'll provide for you. He'll take care of you. He'll open doors for you. Paul tells the Philippians, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state that I am, therewith to be content. It doesn't matter what state I'm in. It doesn't matter what my surroundings are. I am content, not in a situation, but I'm content in my walk with God, in my faith in Jesus Christ. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things am I instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He's saying my surroundings don't matter. 
I can be rich and have everything, and I can have nothing. It doesn't matter. I am content with every place that I am. My situation doesn't matter because I have a hold of Jesus Christ. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the secret to it all. It doesn't matter rich or poor. I can do all things through Christ because it's not about my surroundings. It's about my heart and my walk with Jesus Christ. He says something similar to the Corinthians. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side. Anybody feel troubled? You can be troubled all around you, but not distressed. It's not affecting on the inside of me. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Hey, it hasn't affected the inside. It hasn't affected my walk with God. Persecuted. We feel pain and hardship. Hey, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down at times, but hey, we're not destroyed. Why? Because we got a hold of something that this world cannot take away and that we're not going to give it away. We're not going to let the enemy steal it away. We're not going to give it away with a new offer, a new car, a new prize or possession. Don't let your situation steal your praise. Don't let what happened to you make you become a bitter person. And then all of a sudden you're not praising like you used to. That you're not, you're not praying like you used to. All because of something happened to you. Don't let that get on the inside and, and uh, pollute your heart and, and become toxic and you become a toxic person. Bad things happen to us all. But if you let it get on the inside and mess up your praise, mess up your worship, mess up your walk with God, you're in for a hurting. Because it, our surroundings should not do that. We should not allow our surroundings to have that type of power. Don't let your surrounding dictate whether you're going to worship today or not. It doesn't matter. I'm worshiping God today. He's done so much for me. And if he's never blessed me the rest of my life, I've still got enough reason to lift him up. I've still got enough thanks in my heart to praise him all that I do. Don't let your surroundings tell you whether you should go to church or not. No, worship is how we win things. Because we make up our mind that, hey, no matter what happens, I'm still going to praise Him. I'm still going to worship Him. Anyone believe that today? Anyone believe that? If you, if you believe that, why don't you step out in faith today and say, hey, I'm not going to let my situation hold me down. Yeah, I made it, came in a little downtrodden, a little heartache, but hey, we're a worshiper. I'm a worshiper here today. Why don't you come and let the enemy know you're not going to steal my faith. We're worshipers, whether good things or bad. I'm still going to lift them up. Come on, what is it that you need in your life? You need to get a hold of God today. Let's let the enemy know. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to come to the house of God. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. If you need prayer, come down to the front. 
will pray, will plead the blood of Jesus over your life, over your situation, because it can't affect your soul. People of God, say hallelujah, hallelujah. Sure. 
we're going to bind together as a church, and we're going to tell the devil that doesn't matter what you do to us, we're still going to have revival. We're still going to push through. We're still going to be faithful to church, to the house of God. Why don't you bind with somebody and agree and pray and say, God, pray for my brother. Help us to become in one mind and one accord. You're not going to get my brother. You're not going to get my sister. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over you. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We're going forward in victory. You're not going to steal our children. You're not going to steal our soul, our praise, and our worship. Come on. Come on, let's cry out to God. Let's bind together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Your spirit lives within me, so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me, my victory, my victory. Your spirit lives within me, so I will walk with your peace. Yes, Lord, you are. You are. Say, your spirit lives within me. my 
good. We're still going to praise him. We're still going to lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We're still going to worship him. It's not going to affect my soul. It's not going to steal my faith. It's not going to impact my trust and my walk with God. Things come and go. As the darker this world gets, that just means the church is going to shine brighter than ever before. Amen. We have God's on our side. We have God's promise. Amen. We're believing the revival is here. Amen. And we're going to be going forward to new things, a new anointing, a new touch from God. Why? Because nothing can stop the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. We are victorious. We are victorious in all things. We can do all things through Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you all today. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Go forth and overcome her. Overcome the world. You are good. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are good. He's doing good things, great things. Hey. You Get your dance on!